welcome back to the Rock Your Retirement Show. I'm your host, Kathy Klein, and today is part three of our uh, series on pain, and my husband, Les, is joining us. Say hello, Les. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Those of you who are listening to the podcast can't see, but he's wearing his cow hat with his headset on over so his cow hat. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so we are going to be in our third episode on pain today. We're going to be talking about the pills that you can take to help relieve your pain. But before we start, I wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Medicare Quick. Now, I'm not going to be promoting the guide this time. I'm going to be promoting the classes. So we have about 30 classes that you can take on Medicare. These are for people who are either already on Medicare or they're new to Medicare. And you can get the very first class free. This is called Making Medicare Decisions. And then for the rest of the classes, you do have to put in your email address. So to get that first free class, go to medicarequick.com forward slash class, C-L-A-S-S, and you can watch the very first class, which is called Making Medicare Decisions, and then if you want to watch the rest of the classes, you'll just need to enter your email address, and don't worry, I won't spam you, and if you do want to be contacted at the end of taking your classes, it'll be somebody from my office. We don't sell your information to, you know, 20 different insurance agents like some companies do. So, thank you so much, Les, for co-hosting once again today's episode on pain. Uh, happy to be here. Thank you. Now, for those of you who didn't hear the first two episodes, the first one just sort of introduced the subject. Um, Les has been going through a little bit of pain lately because of his cancer, nothing that he can't handle. Um, and then the second episode talked about what you can do that doesn't have anything to do with taking a pill. And then this episode is not going to be, you know, we're going to be talking about natural things that you can take. And then next week, I believe we're going to be talking about surgery and steroids. So Les, is that what was on your agenda as well? Yep, that's true. Okay, great. So one thing that I've always heard and I have tried to subscribe to is that when you are taking any kind of medication, that you should start with the lowest dose possible to alleviate your pain and not jump into a large dose of something. So for example, if a, uh, if a ibuprofen can take care of your pain, you shouldn't jump to Percocet. Is that sort of how the article, the part three of this article started out? Well, yeah, but even more than that is if you start with uh, ibuprofen, for instance, the 200 milligrams is per pill usually. The doctor will prescribe 800 milligrams. You should start with the 200. If the 200 does it, that's what you should live with. And uh, I usually take 200 or 400 and never take 800. Right. But uh, in any case, the, our, this section of the article starts out by saying that the goal of pills, patches, and creams is to take the pain down a couple of notches. Right, not eliminate allow, it completely. Right, to allow for exercise, work, and socializing. Right, because and, when you can take the pain down, then you can ex do the movement that we talked about last week. 
Yeah. And the combination can help you actually improve over time. That's right. So that's what it, the intent, the goal is of taking these things. So to go overboard is not good for you, number one, because it doesn't all take these your pain away. And, and ultimately, it may take the pain away, but, but uh, it's going to, over time, not work as well. Well, so, look at what this said. It said, in the best case scenario, one-third of people taking any single drug will only reduce their pain level by half. Right. Most get far less relief. That's right. So I thought that well, was interesting, because I have a lot of friends that are taking pain pills. Well, yeah. I mean the typical doctor is going to just prescribe pain pills. You know, that's, that's what, what it is because a typical doctor is not necessarily trained on chronic pain. Mm -hmm. they, what did we say in the first episode? One in there's one doctor for every 28,500 people or that, something like that's that. That's right. They're, they're trained in, in chronic pain and chronic pain is not helped by the short term uh, drugs that are being prescribed. So, you have to you have to take that into account. Well, and, I don't know about you, but you know, I just want to take a pill. I don't want to have to exercise. I don't want to have to, you know, do yoga. I of don't, course. I don't want to yeah. have to meditate. Yeah, right. <laughs> you don't have to. Yeah, you don't want to have to even try out some of these things, you know, because stretching can be painful, as an example. And yet, stretching oftentimes is the solution to a lot of the pain. We're talking about pills this time, and we're talking about the ones that are prescribed and some that are not necessarily prescribed that can be helpful. And uh, that falls into the category of supplements. Right. Well, I found it interesting that they started out the whole supplement discussion by saying there's no solid data supporting most pain relief su supplements. You're right. I can tell you from personal, personal situation that when I'm taking glucosamine chondroitin combination, I feel less pain. Yeah. And the next thing that they talk about is marijuana. A lot of people feel a lot less pain with uh, taking marijuana. And so the problem is the drug industry is not funding uh, trials on, on supplements because they want to sell their drugs. Right, That's and how are they going to how are they going to um get a patent on fish oil? Right, exactly. <laughs> you can't. So, what are supplement what are some of these supplements supposed to do? And uh, one of them is fish oil that Kathy just mentioned that apparently uh, helps to reduce inflammation. So we talked about inflammation type pain and pain that's neuro neurological. Uh, so if you're having the, the type that's caused by inflammation, you might want to try fish oil. Mm -hmm. Another one links vitamin uh, B and D to, if you have deficiencies in these vitamins, that certain types of pain are going to be worse. So, so does that mean I just need to go outside more because that's how I get my vitamin D? Yes, yes. Get your vitamin D outside. Lay on that brand new... Uh, Lanai day, 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 day bed thing we got thing. for the outside. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, you know, one of the other things that I found interesting is that these 
drugs work a little bit differently. You know, that the ibuprofen, yeah. you know, the Aleve, those kind of things, they re- actually reduce swelling, whereas acetaminophen, which is Tylenol, it just makes you think that you're not feeling pain. <laughs> yeah, that that's what yeah, that's what this article talks about. And I, I that was new to me too. But I, but I know from my personal experience that ibuprofen, ibuprofen works better than acetaminophen for most of my pain. Headache pain, though, definitely, I think uh, acetaminophen for me works better than ibuprofen for headache pain. So, you know, it really depends on what the kind of pain it is, I guess. So if it's in your head, take a... Yeah, <laughs> that's my, that may be what they're saying. <laughs> If the pain's in your head, take a Tylenol because it just makes you think that you're not having a headache. I don't know. But the, I didn't the, say that obviously to the listener. We're you're making light of this situation. So yeah, that's right. Laughter is the best medicine, right? That's what they yeah, say. That's it. Um, yeah. so, so so they're saying saying that these these pain relievers, acetaminophen and and uh, ibuprofen, are good for muscle and joint pain, but they don't seem to be very effective against nerve pain. Right, and that's the kind of pain that you have. Yeah, that's right. right. And and uh, it's also the same type of pain that people with shingles have. And, you know, it's interesting because I, have, I know so many people that have gotten shingles in 2019. And when I was trying to get my shingles vaccination, because I'm old enough to get it, and I had chicken pox, twice as a child. It didn't go away completely. And then I got it again, if I remember correctly. So I was trying to get my shingle shot because I don't want to be traveling and then come down with shingles. So I got, nobody had it in saying, you know, I was unable to get it. And then when we went to Chicago, I was able to get my first dose there. But I guess the point is, is that none of these drugs helps with shingles pain. So what do you do? And it seems that shingles is kind of an epidemic now. I mean, didn't the pharmacist say that there were people in their 20s getting shingles this year? And they are not allowed to get the shingles vaccine. I guess it's not healthy for them. I don't know exactly what happens, but they can't get it. And I just found it to be alarming that these 20-year-olds are coming down with shingles. I wonder if it has something to do with stress. Uh, I don't know. But uh, the, the reason that they can't get it might also be uh, supply and demand. And uh, there's not enough supply for everybody. So I got, the, I got the impression that there was a, a uh, medical reason why they weren't getting it. That's possible. That's possible. Back on uh, ibuprofen and acetaminophen, apparently... Some people have found that the combination of those two, actually taking both of them, has had the effect very similar to uh, what opioids might have uh, had effect. They're saying, talk to your doctor before you do these kinds of combinations, but sometimes combinations do work. Right. Let's look at the side effects for these drugs. Yeah. Side effects for ibuprofen can include heart attack or stroke, stomach bleeding, and kidney disease for acetaminophen and liver disease. So one thing that you should know is this is not a medical show. We are not giving medical advice. We're just discussing this article that we found in Consumer Reports. Yeah, that's right. But it is 
the, the point of the article, of course, is that there are side effects with, with taking these drugs. And uh, uh, just like opioid side effect, of course, is uh, addiction. Of course. So, uh, be, now, I like, I like the topical creams. What was that cream that, that we got? Emu. Yeah, no, I don't like I don't like that because they actually kill the emus. But what about the little tub that I got in in China that they sell here too? I, I'm not. It's the Chinese medicine that you put on your neck and it helps the pain go away. Yeah, well, they tiger they, balm. Yeah, tiger balm. Uh, they talk about that. The the those types of things don't actually make the pain go away as much as they make your body react to the tiger bomb, the, the burning sensation. Or cold. Taking, yeah, or cold. Taking away from the other pain. So it's like uh, trying to fake out the, the real pain. So it's kind of like when you go to the doctor and the doctor says, where does it hurt? And you tell him and he takes a hammer and hammers you somewhere else and says, yes. and now you don't feel <laughs> it anymore? Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but they t the article talks about the, the fact that... Uh, that there are these compounds called solicitites uh, well, or whatever. Solicicylates, salicylates, salicylates. And they produce a feeling of heat or cold to keep the nerves busy transmitting those sensations of pain instead of pain, you know. So uh, in any case, they can be helpful. We, I did get this stuff that uh, we bought down in Florida at a, flea market that did exactly that and it was pretty effective actually my back was really killing me and I put this stuff on and it it, uh, it did make the pain seem to go away and the article says that those kind of creams don't really have side effects right except for killing emus yeah yeah <laughs> that's a side effect so if you're a vegan if you're a vegan uh, or if you care about animals don't eat don't don't buy that stuff well, there are there are the creams that have aspirin in them, and right. the body just absorbs less of the aspirin than if you take took a pill. So they they are safer in that sense. And it's probably not going to make your stomach get upset. Right. No. Nope. Right. That kind of thing. I found it interesting that that some doctors prescribe antidepressants for pain. That seems kind of dangerous yeah. to me. Yeah, that's they, they're saying that in, in there's only one type of antidepressant that has any connection with pain, and that's this. Uh, how do you pronounce that? I don't know. Where is it? Duloxetine or whatever. It's uh, Cymbala is what uh, they sell. Oh, Cymbalta. But Cymbalta, didn't Cymbalta have like some major problems? Weren't they involved? seems to me that someone I know was taking that and there was like some significant problems with that drug. Yeah, it sounds, sounds right to me too. They're, they're just saying that, that it has a side effect of the... Of the uh, Weight gain, constipation, and suicidal thoughts. That, that's it. That's it. That's what it was. It was the suicidal thoughts that was the problem. Well, isn't that interesting that an antidepressant could cause suicidal thoughts? I thought that it would cause it if you stopped taking it, but it looks like it causes it while you're taking it. It just seems kind yeah. of interesting that you would, that an antidepressant would cause suicidal thoughts. That doesn't seem 
that that doesn't seem right. I think uh, I think a much better treatment for uh, for depression is finding a bunch of friends. Because because we're because we are experts in depression and we yeah, yeah, have yeah, a psychology <laughs> degree. <laughs> I think depression is actually a medical condition. Less, I don't yes, think it. it is. Yeah, it yeah, is. I don't think it's something that you can cure with with friendships. I think you know, long term yeah. depression does does require. No, you're right. You're right. So, but it is. It's kind of an awful able use to to have it uh, help pain. And uh, I think you'd be, have to be careful about that because of the side effects. It does say in the article that small doses can help with fibromyalgia, headache prevention, and pain due to nerve damage. So I don't know what they mean by nerve damage, but I'm guessing it's not neuropathy. No, that's, I think neuropathy is nerve damage. So you think that they might prescribe that for people who also have shingles? Maybe. I mean, because... Neuropathy is caused by the the chemicals that are actually attacking the nerves, and so uh, you know it's that's that's why I have neuropathy with uh, with the chemo and with uh, Lupron because the chemo caused the nerve damage in the yeah. first place. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's the case. Being a a uh, a practicing doctor here. I'm right. Sure. Yes. For the listener, please don't take anything that we say as medical advice. Please actually contact an actual physician before, you know, we're just, yes. like I said, we're just discussing this article and we are far, far from experts in this area. That's right. Um, how about the anti-convulsants? See, that, that yeah. is crazy that that would help with pain well, as it, well. It, no if you think about it i mean anticonvulsants are dealing with the nerve uh nervous system right mm-hmm. and if you have nerve pain i can see that you know something that is dealing with the nervous system in general anyway wouldn't would have some effect i mean yeah but it doesn't know, just, help with back pain no You know, and like the antidepressants, it can cause suicidal thoughts. Right. So, which is, I guess any of these things that are working on your nervous system can cause weird thoughts, which is strange. It just tells us how, how thin of a line there is with our mental health and how easily it can be messed up. Well, there's that, and and how much of a connection there is with our mental well-being and the rest of our body. I mean, right. you know, it, it, there is a connection. There's no question about that. Yeah. So, so the the anticonvulsants are Lyrica and Epitol, as an example. You see those ads on TV all the time. So strange that they advertise drugs on TV to me. It just I seems know. so weird. I know. Well, look at this. Epitol says that that uh, can cause deadly allergic reactions. So not only you have these suicidal thoughts and so on. You could die. Yeah. Well, you 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 hear the words that go with those. Yeah, with those ads. Yeah, but it's crazy. Yeah, it is pretty crazy. Okay, muscle relaxants. So that to me seems pretty. Yeah, I, I. I know a lot of people who take muscle relaxants for pain and I, I can understand why, because if you have a muscle that's cramped up, 
relaxing that muscle sure. is going to help with, with that pain, right? Yeah. When I have sciatica, which I have every once in a while, that's, you know, nerve being pinched generally. The pain is not the nerve being pinched as much as it is the muscle that is, is cramping uh, up. Yeah. So I would think that uh, a uh, muscle relaxant would be the right thing to take, but I don't, I don't like to take muscle relaxants if I don't have to. I just, because well, they, make, they make me tired. Right. Know, they make you groggy. They make you hard. It's hard to think, but, but I know people, I mean, when I was a teenager, I had an adult 60 year old friend and, you know, she, she actually was my foster mother and she was on long-term muscle relaxants. And I know people that are on long-term muscle relaxants and this article says they only work for three weeks. Yeah. So I wonder, I wonder if they're addictive or why people are on muscle relaxants as a common daily medication. Well, the other thing that they say is that you should never take these alongside opioids. And I know of people that are doing that. Hmm. So uh, it's, you know, this kind of stuff is dangerous. You have to be careful. You have to at least exhaust some of the things we talked about in the past to try to deal with your pain before you, you go to some of these more dangerous types of treatments. Okay. Well, I certainly have an opinion on opioids and my opinion does not have anything to do with what I do for a living. So I'm going to separate that out. But I think that the fact that Medicare is refusing to allow 90 year old people the ability to take opioids for, you know, if you are in severe pain, I, here's how I feel about it. If you are at the end of your life and you're in severe pain and you've, I see no problem with giving somebody who's 90 Percocet. I really have no problem with it. If, if somebody who's 90 wants to have a drink, if they want to smoke a cigar, if they want to, and none of these things do I do. Okay. Let me just preface this. I don't smoke. I don't really drink that much. I don't take drugs, but if you're 90 years old and you're in a lot of pain, I, I don't understand why the government is limiting people to what is it like seven day supply or something like that? Yeah. They're trying to deal with this problem of over prescription of, uh, of opioids. I don't know if that's the way to do it though. I mean, I I, don't think it is. I don't think so. Because by the, by the time you're at a certain age, I I don't know if you're going to get a 90 year old to go get a massage and go to a chiropractor. And quite frankly, I don't know that a 90 year old should start chiropractic. I I know some chiropractors, which will disagree with me, but I, I just, some of these things that we're talking about, they're great for people in their 60s and 70s and maybe early 80s. But by the time you get to a certain point in your life. Yeah. And you haven't been doing the movement and exercise that you should be. Are you going to be able to get the relief that you want by just being cut off of your medications that you're used to? I don't know what the answer is. Well, but the point is that that using opioids only in trying to deal with that kind of pain is not going to be a long-term solution to your problem. But if you're 90, is anything long-term? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, really let's, let's just be realistic. I mean, I mean, I know that we 
know people who, like we had a woman in our church in San Diego who passed away recently. She was 108 years old. Yeah. But that is still a rarity. And by the time you're up in your 90s, like, are you really going to restrict people from taking the medication that's keeping at least some of their pain down? I, I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. Well, the problem with the solution that they have today is that people who really need it, make uh, they're making it very difficult for them to get it. So, yeah. um, But what do you do? I mean, uh, in next week, we're going to talk about other alternatives to pain, uh, to, to this, and that would be steroids and surgeries. So do you want to say anything? I mean, I, I think I've said all I can say about pills. What, do you have anything else to say, Les? No, I, I think you have to take them very carefully. That's the bottom line. And that's how I feel. And personally, I, I don't take them very often. When I'm taking a pain pill, it's because I re- like very, how often would you say I take pain pills? Maybe three times a year. Once in a blue moon. Yeah, I really don't take them that often. I, I do try to I think you go a little bit the other way, but that's take that's take them me. more often. <laughs> yeah, that's me personally, but uh, well, you know, I probably I probably take ibuprofen uh, maybe twelve times a year, or something like that. When I met you, you were taking oh, yeah. it every day. I, oh yeah, I was I was going through some pain. I yeah. was very concerned about you when we first met because you were taking it every day. Yeah, I don't know about every day, but I every was taking, day I was taking too much. <laughs> you know, I was like, "You're going to get a stomach ulcer or something from taking all of that." But you know, like the article says, everybody has to make their own decision on how they're going to treat their pain along with their physician. So, thanks again for listening to this episode on pain. Next week, we're going to talk about surgeries and steroid use, and. Um, We'll we'll see you next week on Rock Your Retirement. Oh, wait. I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rock Your Retirement show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August, actually August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episode starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. 
If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app and then you search for the show and when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, Actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, We actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five-star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.